0: Welcome to the Cloud Pod where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, GCP and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan,
1: Ryan and Peter. Episode 81, recorded on August 5th, 2020. Azure and GCP. Are you okay? Hey guys, good <laughs> evening. Hey Justin. Hey Jonathan. Hello. Hey Peter. How are you? Uh, you know, it's a uh, Thursday. It's been an interesting day. In the day job world, uh, and, you know, very unique day. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's uh, what we'll deal with. But uh, it's been a, a sort of busy week in cloud, too. So we'll, uh, we'll jump right into it with uh, earnings as our favorite earnings season sound effect plays. <coughs> uh, last week we talked about Microsoft. Uh, they had their earnings there a little bit early, uh, you know, because they thought they wanted to get ahead of Alphabet and Amazon. So Alphabet was first up. Uh, reporting a revenue drop in Q2 2020, the first time as in the 16 years that they've been a public company, uh, led, of course, by declining advertised revenue due to COVID. Wah, wah. Uh, revenue was only $38.3 billion, down 2% from the prior year. Uh, 66% of the revenues come from search and YouTube ads and 12% of the ads sold on partner properties, while 8% of the revenue comes from the cloud business and 14% from the Android mobile app store. Uh, quarterly profit was 6.96 billion. So again, I guess that 2% miss. We're gonna just cry our way through the tears with dollar bills at Google. <laughs> yeah. uh, Google Cloud saw a 52% year-over-year increase, uh, showing revenue growth is starting to slow down for them as well during COVID, which I think is just a factor that everyone is either so busy keeping their systems running because they're doing really well in COVID in the retail space, or they're you know laying people off and, and dealing with the sacrifices of COVID. And I think it's these numbers are a little bit weird in all the cloud providers because they're they're struggling with interesting macroeconomic factors. Uh, Google Cloud generated three billion in revenues, uh, which is a forty-three percent increase from two point one billion posted in the same period last year. Uh, Google Cloud was probably one of the few bright spots in the earnings.
2: Wow, that is that is a monumental signal, though. That pretty soon these big. Uh, technology companies are going to be considered less growth companies and a little bit more cyclical. We'll see what happens to their PE ratios.
1: Yeah, i will be curious to see what happens. And you know, Facebook also took a pretty bad bloodbath with ad revenue down for them as well. So uh, there's you know, all these doom and gloom stories of that the ad supported revenue model is dead. And I'm like, well, it's a bit of a stretch.
2: It's just mature. Um, no, it's yeah, yeah. it's mature.
1: Well and it's interesting, Airbnb is actually running some pretty big experiments about reducing their um, advertising spend because of course they've their revenues have been just absolutely butchered uh, in COVID. So they've actually are seeing how they can survive without rad revenue. And I think Airbnb has a brand that, you know, supports that that pretense that you don't need marketing at the same level. So we'll see what the maybe this is the time for a reset in this crazy marketing spend we've been seeing for years.
3: Yeah, yet another reset of how we
2: normally go about our lives because of COVID. It's interesting. Yep. One Which, as an advertiser, I would like because that would mean that the cost per uh, lead for some of these things could come down. <laughs> I mean, I would I would prefer people still pay the podcast
1: rates that we charge for ads. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think we're that expensive. I think our ads are very reasonably priced. Uh, for the audience that we have, and the and the, the direct access to cloud professionals like you out there in the world, and so you know we we support ourselves with ad revenue here at the Cloud Pod, so we don't want it to go down too much. So, <laughs> no, yeah. Not too
0: much, just <laughs> enough. Not just too right much, enough. just a little just bit. Just right a little bit is fine. Two percent is much, though, is it really? Given given that this quarter has been entirely covered by COVID disaster after disaster, two percent is not a lot.
1: I, I feel like. In that first quarter, though, you're, you're dealing with a lot of companies who are in that mad rush to cloud still, the ones who do need it. And so I, I'm curious really what this next quarter shows in earnings because uh, that would be the real tell. Because if you're either dying because of COVID or you're doing so well because of COVID, do you have time to start a brand new cloud migration project? Probably not. So that's, that's what will be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, is even if, even if it hasn't affected you at all, it's like, man, eh, maybe we should just wait and see what's going to happen here. Is this 2000? End of 2007 again, where we all thought we were out of the woods, and then 2009 showed up.
1: Right. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Amazon was uh, next up
1: reporting revenues of uh, $88.9 billion in Q2 2020 revenue. Amazon uh, revenue was basically up 40% uh, for net income of $5.2 billion on that money brought in. North American sales were up 43%, and international was up by 38%. Of course, that's because retail is booming, especially e-commerce retail in the world of COVID. So that is expected on the Amazon side. Uh, But Amazon uh, Web Services was a little bit of a different story. Uh, They saw their growth fall below 29% for the first time uh, since they started breaking out the AWS numbers. Uh, AWS is $43 billion annualized run rate business uh, off of this current quarter, up nearly $10 billion in run rate in the last 12 months, they pointed out in their earnings, though. Um, so there you go. Uh, interesting drop in world for Amazon Web Services, which it's hard to make those big numbers multiply multiple times. And so we're seeing that continue to happen.
2: Yeah. But the other thing is look at compare compare AWS's revenue, which, you know, IT outsourcing effectively business that didn't exist a little while ago to IBM's aggregate revenue. And That's true. it's more than half of IBM's aggregate revenue. So it's pretty amazing what they've done in the industry.
1: Yeah, Well, you know, IBM keeps telling us that they're going to win in you know, the second inning of cloud, so whatever, their, this. whatever their quote was.
2: <laughs>
1: well, we have, a, we have a COVID update for you guys this week. Uh, Google Cloud and Harvard Global Health have collaborated on a new COVID-19 forecasting model. Uh, this apparently uses the auto ML technology of Google to produce this COVID-19 data with public forecasts. And now it's available all to you in the BigQuery interface or downloadable as a CSV to go use it in SageMaker. Uh, as well as available with their data studio dashboard and part of the national response portal. Uh, this is all built with a robust uh, foundation uh, combined with AI and uh, Google's strong ethics background in AI modeling. Uh, so that is available to you in the public data set if you're interested in mining that data for COVID. If only they would announce this
3: on the, in the keynote
1: for the first week. If only, <laughs> if only they had done that
3: for you.
2: If only they had done that for you. That's great. I want to try this. You know, every single site I go to, I feel like, they're shaping the specific COVID statistics they give me based on what they want me to believe. And I'm just like, I just want all of them. So <laughs> give it could, me all the could be interesting. Yeah. There's actually uh, the one I go. follow
1: the most is actually on Twitter. There's a COVID uh, chart. I'll retweet it uh, sometime. But, you know, they basically post every day the current number of tests, current number of deaths, current number of active, you know, active positive tests. And it's been pretty reliable. They're aggregating a bunch of the monthly state data. So it's been uh, I'm kind of following. In addition cool. to John Hopkins, who we supported Uh, here on the show as well
3: yeah i played around with a little bit i think that the trick is you have to make so many assumptions to get anything usable (laughs) as far as like getting data you know if you're trying to visualize it or answer a kind of question with with any kind of query and so those assumptions are what color i think individual sites depending on what they want you know it's hard
1: information bias is easy to get into very quickly and so Mm -hmm. you have to be a bit careful
2: is one of the assumptions like a little checkbox whether or not you believe it's just a little flu (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah what's the model do when you yeah you submit that <laughs> just a little flow just a, it'll be fine uh
1: well you know if you guys wanted to hang out with us here at the cloud pod uh, or come ask us technical questions and try to tap into jonathan's really smart brain on cloud or ryan's really great brain on containers uh, or just my my lack of information that i can provide to you but i can try uh- uh, you know, we have a Slack channel, and uh, one of our Slack people uh, mentioned to me the other day, he's like, you surely mentioned at the beginning of the show. And so I didn't mention the very beginning because that just felt a little spammy, and you just fast forward. So right before the Amazon section, I'm mentioning that we have a Slack channel that's available on the that you can come join and chat with your co-hosts here, ask us questions. We'll help you uh, try to answer your Terraform th- challenges, anything like that. Uh, as kind of a nice community outreach uh, capability for you, which we'll talk about a little bit further as well. But uh, that's definitely out there and available for you. And go sign up on the website today, as well as uh, if you want to get our newsletter, that's there too.
0: Yep, free advice, all your money back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you
2: we do
1: not. Uh, we do not. We're not liable for advice given in the Cloud Pod uh, Slack channel. Just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to Amazon. Uh, apparently, they've extended GuardDuty to protect your S3 buckets. Uh, not only and on threat detection for S3 activities has been available to you in Macy since the beginning, uh, but now it has been enhanced and reduced in cost by 80% as part of the Amazon GuardDuty package. Uh, GuardDuty threat detection coverage beyond workloads and AWS accounts is to allow you to protect your data stored in S3. And this allows you to continuously monitor and profile that S3 data access events, uh, usually referred to as data plane operations, as well as S3 configurations in the control plane API to detect suspicious activities such as requests coming from an unusual geolocation uh, or disabling of a preventive control such as S3 block public access or API call patterns consistent with an attempted uh, exploit that they are aware of. Uh, this is all available to you right inside the Guard Duty console and can be enabled with a simple checkbox, uh, which is pretty great. This is for, uh, th- uh, free for the first 30 days, even if you're already using Guard GuardDuty. Uh, and then after that, it'll charge you money. Uh, but the first 30 three days, you'll have an idea what it'll cost you. The uh, Per million events, it's 80 cents up to the first 500 million events. And then it has discount tiers after that, all the way down to uh, 20 cents for over 5 billion events. That's pretty cheap.
2: It is pretty cheap. Yeah, this was super expensive when it first came out, right? Well, I think Macy is still pretty expensive, but this is just kind of like a
1: small subset of Macy that they're making Uh, available to you as a super cheap price.
2: Oh, so it's not a
1: complete replacement of Macy? No. Okay. This is really about your access patterns and the data patterns. But if you want to know if there's PII in the data, you still have to go to Macy for that. Gotcha.
0: I bet Capital One wished they had this. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> Feel bad for those
1: guys, man. Yeah, I do. They just got uh, fined a lot of money by the OCC today. Yeah. So uh, they're they're hurting a little bit on that. But
0: uh, they'll get through it. They're going to get better. Commvault is data management done differently. Comvault knows how important your data is to your business, enabling you to learn more about your data, manage your data, move your data securely and efficiently, and quickly recover your data to meet critical business needs. Available as a cloud-based software as a service solution, deployed on your existing on-premise virtualization environment, or as an appliance-based offering, their simple and centralised web interface lets you synchronise your data between on-premise data centres and your cloud environments, keeping downtime due to failures at a minimum. With Commvault, you can translate your virtual workloads to a cloud provider automatically, greatly simplifying the move to the cloud or your disaster recovery solution to the cloud. Commvault supports over 40 different cloud vendors, giving you the ability to use the cloud that is right for your business. To learn how Commvault can help you manage your data differently, save money and reduce risk, head to www.thecloudpod.net slash to find out more and schedule your free trial of their SaaS offering. Well, uh, as I mentioned,
1: uh, for those of you doing community outreach or want to become a community builder in the Amazon space, uh, much like our podcast, we feel is, uh, you can go sign up for the new Amazon Community Builders program, uh, which offers technical resources, mentorship, and networking opportunities to AWS enthusiasts and emerging thought leaders who are passionate about sharing knowledge and connecting with technical community. Uh, And as of today, this program is open to everybody. Uh, So I did sign up for this for the podcast, as well as my my Twitter feed, which I pontificate about Amazon things all the time. Yeah. See if we get into it. it would be interesting to do, and I'd love to be able to uh, you know, continue to build our community, and that's why I mentioned the Slack channel as well, just a little bit earlier. But do get on this right away, because it does cancel or close out on the September 15th.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. they got a bunch of different uh, sort of areas of interest you can sign up for. I, I signed up for uh, serverless and the ARM Graviton stuff. Oh, nice. I figured you would. I signed up for when uh, I saw that
2: one.
1: I signed up for security and uh, one of the EC2 ones, I think. I did security and migrations.
0: Uh, yes. Net- the networking one would, would be. Uh, oh, it was interesting.
1: networking. Networking and security were the two that I did. That's it.
0: But it was networking and content distribution. And I, uh, networking will be interesting, but cloud oh. does, doesn't. Throw As really I've done much. a lot
1: with CloudFront lately, I'd like to get better at it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, you Ryan? Did you? Did you look I'm it a
3: slowpoke who uh, who read through it, batted it around, and decided I wasn't good enough, and so I didn't apply. But then, now listening to you guys, I'm completely convinced. So I will probably be signing up after the after the show. Well, if they could apply, <laughs> yeah.
1: if they can, do they it. get in. I mean, that was you know be good in. This. I mean, they might look us <laughs> and see our podcast and be like, yeah, yeah, we're not talking yeah, to those no, guys. No, we're good. But, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll try it out and see. I think, you know, because one of the things that I think. In a post-COVID world, one of the things that I want to do more of is, you know, some public speaking and kind of conference talks and that kind of stuff. And so I'd love to get access to mentors and people who kind of help out with that kind of thing. And so uh, I think that'd be super fun to do. And maybe it's a good way to get into, you know, onto a stage at at reInvent and different activities. I think this might be a breeding ground to kind of get more speakers into their pool.
0: So I think that's kind of cool. Hmm. I just want the big badge. Yeah.
1: You just want the special badge badge that says (laughs) you're you're a hero? Yep.
3: Got it. Right. I think I'm just hungry for human contact in a community. Like even if that I'm might virtual. be part of it too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like once you get to Reinvent, you're like, I hate everybody. And I don't want to talk yeah. to anybody. Yeah, really. But, yeah. yeah. but right That's now, how I felt stuck at the end at of home. the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a little bittersweet when they canceled it, even though I knew they were going to cancel it. Yeah. pretty yeah. much for the last six months. So. <laughs> I felt the same way, and I wasn't planning on going either. It was still bittersweet. Yeah. All right. Well, Amazon uh, has added another feature for Amazon Toolkits. Uh, this is the ability to use S3 features right inside Visual Studio Code in the t- Amazon Toolkit. Uh, you can access your S3 resources and perform CRUD operations on them, including uh, creating new folder structures and different prefixes. Uh, and you can now use this uh, as an open source plugin. So if you would like to make changes to it, you can submit pull requests, etc. Uh, S3 capabilities uh, now joins CloudWatch logs and ability to invoke a Lambda function directly from VS Code. So good to see some additional capabilities. Uh, I was sort of thinking I was kind of excited about this because uh, when I do a lot of my Terraform infrastructure as code, I put uh, configuration files into S3, and right now Uh-oh. I do that in Terraform, but I could just drag and drop into my S3 bucket, but then I realized that's, just not, that's not infrastructure as code, so I probably shouldn't do that. But at least, at least in theory, it sounded really great at first, but then I'm not sure I have as much practicality to it as I thought
2: I did.
0: Yeah, yeah I kind just, of it's, it's
2: just a somewhere else. It's a dev tool, though. It's just in an uh, Everything's, so everything's
0: around dev tools and, and making things easier for the developers right now. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Because developers are how you get to the cloud, so <laughs> that's the key. Yeah. Make their lives easier; they'll get there faster, and then Amazon can charge you more money for that data in S three. It's just the patterns.
3: Like I want, you know, more deployment patterns where you're not directly accessing the data, and there's a promotion process. But you know, on the other hand, like I've had to make an update to you know an object in an S
0: three, and this is so easy; it's nice. Yeah, folder structures. So Though somebody's turning in there. Well, if he's dead, would not be turning in his grave. It's a, <laughs> it's an object store.
1: <laughs> it's not a file system. So. <laughs> <laughs> AWS CodeBuild uh, now supports code coverage reporting. So this is the ability to now get daily reports out of your CodeBuild of your test coverage. Uh, code coverage reports uh, give you a detailed and actionable view of your test codes coverage in CodeBuild using the Jacoco XML, Simplecov JSON, Clover XML, and Cobertura XML formats. Uh, the reports help you understand both the number and proportion of coverage for lines of codes in your branches. This is a big ad. Um, this is one of the areas where
3: Code Build has really, you know, suffered behind, uh, you know, some of the more mature tools with with advertising. You know, with that being able to visualize this, and so like for smaller companies or for maybe even for larger companies, you know, it's starting it's be starting to
2: become a more real option. Yeah, one of those features. Can't believe can't believe it wasn't there. Like, really, they yeah. have that. Yeah, how are people using it? <laughs> I'm sure you could have configured a
3: lambda. Uh, to you know, run a thing or yeah. yeah.
1: the results, <laughs> or are you, or you yeah. you're using some third-party tool that would tie directly to the GitHub repo, and then you mm-hmm. do it as a separate process, async? Uh, but or you just do like Jonathan does and not write code t- tests, so right. test code.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it works. It I a, code I have a it 500 500 have a five hundred test <laughs> <laughs> on the <laughs> ALB. That's all I need. <laughs> <go>. I'm done. <laughs> is that even a test? It just sounds like an alert from ALB. Yeah, yeah, you have just a, a health check.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> just a health check. Five hundred. Uh, security Hub is launching uh, seven new automated security tools uh, or security controls. Sorry, for AWS foundational security best practices and twelve new controls for PCI DSS. Uh, I will not tell you about the PCI DSS ones because they did not tell me what they were. They just said <laughs> two new t- two new controls for EC2, and I'm like, great. Thank you very much for that, I, Amazon. But they're amazing. But they're great. They you really need them. They're best tools, best controls. But the new uh, seven new ones I can tell you about. Uh, so the first one is uh, if your Amazon S3 bucket requires requests to use SSL or not. Uh, If your SageMaker notebook instance uh, is directly applicable to the Internet, so if you can hit your notebook from the Internet, that's a bad one. So it tells you about that. Uh, AWS database migration service replication instances uh, should not be public, and so it'll tell you if you've made that terrible choice. Although I don't necessarily know how you replicate your database with database migration service without it being public if you don't have VPN in place. So I I hear them, but (laughs) as we'll see, there are some use cases potentially. There are use cases for certain... But sure. maybe, maybe maybe by public, I mean, it's not zero, zero, zero access. It's at least restricted to an IP. So. But it's right. okay. just a
3: visualization tool as well. Like, if, you, if you're willing to accept the risk, that's fine.
1: But this is just sure. all about yeah. exposing the risk. Yeah, but if this is your best practices, you know, and someone's like, you're not following the best practices, you know, you kind of put about that. Uh, the next one is uh, Amazon EC2 instances have an associated compliance status of compliant from SSM. This, is a, this assumes, of course, that you have SSM rules. So mm-hmm. just minor minor requirements. Uh, AWS auto scaling groups associated with the load balancer should use load balancer health checks, which I I didn't know you couldn't not use health checks. But sure, okay.
3: Well, no, you could use EC2 health checks.
1: Oh, you can actually
3: configure it. It's not default, but I think.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Stopped EC2 instances should be removed after a specific time period, um, which depending if it's being used for DR or not is valid or not valid. (laughs) One minute use case. One minute. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And then the last one is Amazon VPC full logging should be enabled in VPC, which is the fast path to spending a lot of money in S3 buckets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Make sure you set up a. You know, I noticed they didn't have one for a setup a glacier policy for your VPC full log bucket, but mm-hmm. yeah, that would be. Yeah, they, good. they
3: they don't have the cost optimized ones, just the just the yeah.
1: security ones. Just the security ones. That's so. what we should do. We should create a new framework. The cost optimization framework. Yeah,
3: that'd be kind of cool. Actually, <laughs> public
1: enemy number one. Cost yeah,
0: optimization, optimization framework. Mm.
1: Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Can we call it coffee instead? coffee, doesn't uh, like coffee. Ooh, coffee. Yes. I, I like coffee. coffee. We're finding you, finding you a coffee at a time in savings. Ooh, that's tagline. There you go. Ooh. We just brainstormed this out. Yeah.
0: Score <laughs> <laughs> right, right, the rest then, of the show. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Off to the coding chat. <laughs> to the whiteboard. Yeah. Uh, CodeGuru Reviewer now has a full repository analysis support. Uh, CodeGuru developer tool powered by ML provides intelligent recommendations for improving code quality and identifying an application and identifying an application's most expensive lines of code. Uh, this is now available to across the entire repos- repository package or source code branch. And customers can get automated code review recommendations for associated repositories for all code, not just incremental changes under a specified code branch. So, uh, you know, for those of you who want to spend a lot of money on CodeGuru very quickly, you can now just point it at your organization and go to town.
0: Which language does it support now? I forget. Java. Is it just Java? Just Java. Oh, just
1: Java. That's a shame. Hopefully, they'll support Python soon, Go Lang, or anything other than Java.
0: hmm
1: <laughs> You just give even give me TypeScript at this point. Like, I'll take TypeScript. It's fine. You know, I don't. I don't like it, but I'll take okay. it.
0: Yeah. Not going as far as C sharp, but TypeScript. Okay. <laughs>
1: C sharp's a road too far, Jonathan. Let's, <laughs> let's be realistic. <laughs> hey
0: everyone, Jonathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to thank the cloud consulting gurus at Foghorn for helping make the Cloud Pod possible. These folks truly get it. Cloud consulting experts since 2008. They are premier tier partners with AWS, Google Cloud Platform, Silver, and Microsoft Azure partners. From multi-cloud to containers to moving full production workloads to the cloud under the tightest compliance. Foghorn's team of full-stack cloud engineers have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're in the market for some talent to supplement your team, visit www.fogops.io slash the cloud pod. www.fogops.io slash the cloud pod. Foghorn. The promise of cloud delivered.
1: Well, our, up next is GCP and Azure. And, uh, you know, guys, I'm I'm a little nervous for them. I, I feel like maybe they've gotten the COVID or something because, uh, you know, GCP has a conference going on and we have two announcements. And one of them is just really a brag. And then Azure, Azure has got two small things as well. And I'm trying to think they forgot that they had to be announcing stuff and. And maybe you know maybe Azure is just too busy getting capacity under the cloud
0: and doesn't have time for this. But They saw the TikTok announcement, and so they all downloaded the TikTok app, and everyone's just sitting there flipping through videos <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> that's exactly it. Is. They're all watching TikTok. That's, <laughs> you know, my God. They've all lost their minds on TikTok. <laughs> what a crazy story that is. I, I had it in the show notes at one point, and I was like, yeah, it's not cloud-adjacent ad- enough, but yeah, it's a, that's a crazy story. And so Really. It. So it but uh, if, they do, if they do buy it, we'll talk about it just for the fact that that basically makes Azure have a very key marquee, Mobile customer. And so that might drive some interesting patterns in their mobile space long term mm-hmm. as they rip out all that Chinese technology <laughs> that rip it out. doesn't like. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, GCP, the first one up is a brag. So uh, Google has broken the AI performance record in ML Perf with the world's fastest training supercomputer. Ooh. Fast training of machine learning models is critical for research and engineering teams that deliver new products, services, and research breakthroughs that were previously out of reach for them. The latest ML Perf benchmarks demonstrate that Google has built the world's fastest machine learning training supercomputer. Using the supercomputer, as well as our latest tensor processing units of so the TPU chip, which we talked about here on the show, Google has set a performance record in six out of the eight ML Perf benchmarks. And then there's many, many charts and many, many graphs that are a little bit in the weeds for us here on the show, but uh, are great if you're really into ML.
2: And it only costs the world 0.01 degrees of Celsius increase. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, Google will be very quick to tell you how sustainable their data centers are. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Until they throw away the servers. Shh. They, <laughs> they rot in landfills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't ask too many questions. Sorry. And then their, uh, their new feature this week is a Google is announcing a Certificate Authority Service, or CAS, in beta. This allows you to use a PKI infrastructure to handle device management, and this solves the hardest problem with setting up uh, centralized or private CAs. Uh, limitations exist of existing private CA technology, Uh, But Google highlights several that they feel are necessary to be fixed in the cloud. The first one being new use cases require a short-lived certificate that are renewed frequently, which in turn requires a high availability and scalability of the CA. Uh, The certificate enrollment processes uh, typically do not support modern APIs expected in modern apps and CICD tool chains, which result in longer time to market and delays in adoption revenue. And they're incompatible with cloud providers' built-in CAs, resulting in customers losing a single point of management and monitoring. Uh, the CAS is designed to solve traditional merging CA needs and can now be set up in minutes versus months. Uh, some of the features for the new CAS service include the ability to store your private keys in Cloud HSM and FIPS 140-2 Level 3 validated HSMs, obtain logs and visibility and audit controls, define granular access control, scaling with confidence knowing that the service supports up to 25 queries per second per instance and allows you to bring your own root certificate.
3: Cool. Cool. Yeah. I can't agree more with their announcement on why this is needed. I just hope that it doesn't cost an arm and a leg like Amazon's
1: offering does. Exactly.
0: Like that's privacy. the first thing
1: I did. Yeah. Did it, what, what did you find on the pricing? I meant to look, look it up, but I forgot.
0: Pricing is It It's free right now. But it will be defined on GA.
1: Oh, that's right. It's in beta. Yeah, it's in beta. So when they throw the SLA on top of it, they'll say, oh, it's going to charge you bajillions of dollars. But I just built my whole infrastructure on top of it. Well, too late. No, that's why you
2: don't use beta services from Google. That's right. <laughs> don't bite. Not yet.
1: Not yet. Not until you know the pricing. Sorry. Okay, that's it for Google. You know, again, they have a conference going on. I don't know if you knew this, but that's it for Google. Yeah. Uh, and then Azure Crickets. has a couple, a couple changes that would normally have just made it to the lightning round, but uh, are here uh, because this is what I have for them. It's nothing so else. sorry Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the first one is there's some billing changes uh, in Azure bandwidth. So uh, previously, if you were routing traffic around the Azure network, uh, you would get one bill, uh, one line item for the region that basically said uh, Azure bandwidth. Apparently, they say that is not good enough, and so now they're going to uh, billing in the data, or in the report as source and destination model, with increased granularity of inter-region billing data. So you can see that if Region A is talking to Region B, uh, you can see that bill cut out directly. Uh, it doesn't, of course, tell you anything about protocols or ports or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, this will be rolling out in September, uh, which, if you have automation on your Azure bill to process it with machine learning or some AI type of technology, this will break that. So go get that fixed.
2: This is uh, a good opportunity. For them to now use this technology to also break out their new network uh, bandwidth offering, the premium bandwidth offering, <laughs> and then the ultra premium, ultra
0: yeah. premium. I <laughs> I really like just to see a, a per instance metric for network use. It, I mean, it's obviously measured at the at the instance level, so why not report yeah. on it the same way? It would be really, can... really useful for finding for finding you know misbehaving servers or.
1: But you, I mean typically in most clouds you don't pay for you know inner A Z inner AZ or inner subnet you know traffic unless that's traversing mm-hmm. that side. So if you're recording it you're not using all of it for billing, do you end up actually end up with two different numbers? One that was a billing bandwidth versus a non-built bandwidth. And
3: would you really want like thousands of metrics in your bill for like, you know, sixty-seven cents of health checks or you know whatever it is? Why you know, not? Per-
0: it's already it's already ten billion line items. Yes. What's, what's, another, 10 it bi- what's another ten billion line items? <laughs>
1: $16 to process. That's what it is. And then the last uh, Azure announcement is the Azure Monitor community repo is now available to you, which provides a collaborative space for our community members to share and explore Azure Monitor artifacts, such as queries, workbooks, and alerts. The repo is public and can accept contributions, so if you have an amazing Azure Monitor script that you'd like to give us a pull request, uh, you can go do that, and get. hopefully they'll accept it. Uh, do follow the community guidelines for that capability. But uh, if you're trying to figure out how to use Azure Monitoring,
0: there's examples for you. That was a bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, yeah. This, is the, this is all the yeah,
1: all they announce. <laughs> like I said, I'm a little worried about both uh, Azure yeah. and Google. I don't know. I don't know what they're up to, <laughs> but they're maybe maybe COVID's getting to them. They're like, we can't we can't just ship this product. Yeah. We just we, we don't want to. I don't know.
3: Well, for Google, I so I expect you know they're sort of trying to pace themselves. You know you know over the course of their conference, since it's many many weeks, and maybe at the last week they'll come out with like. You know, I mean,
1: I would argue that. They've lost my attention at this point, though. <laughs> if they'd done you know, less time with more announcements, I, I might have been interested. So. I think
3: I said it last week that I'm having a hard time like, keeping it in the forefront of my
2: brain where I remember to go look at, at their conference. So I agree. Let's move to lightning round, Peter. <laughs> Elastic load balancing simplifies your AWS bill by introducing a new billing section. What's uh, ten billion more lines in your bill? <laughs> <laughs> it's already uh, forty gigs. What do you? What is, what's another you know <laughs> three hundred megs? <laughs> AWS Fargate for Amazon ECS now supports UDP load balancing with Network Load Balancer.
1: Because that's what I want my containers doing is not confirming packets. I'm um, I'm
0: sorry, I didn't get the message.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think you've used that before. I think yeah. you. I call shenanigans. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's, that's the answer to every...
0: Winner!
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> AWS Deep Composer launches new learning capsule that deep dives into training an auto-regressive CNN model. Which is what uh, President Trump said yesterday on the news.
3: CNN is fake news.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now manage access to AWS centrally for one-login users with AWS single sign-on.
1: Uh, I mean, the only login you care about is your single sign-on one. So when that gets compromised,
2: all of your sign-on fails. Amazon Aurora supports in-place upgrade from Postgres 10 to 11.
1: Which is the best Postgres ever because they turned it up
2: to 11. Yay. All right. All right. Amazon EC2 on-demand capacity reservations now support Windows BYOL. Until Windows announces that they don't allow BYOL in two weeks and aws firewall manager now supports centralized logging of aws waf logs okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> i w-
1: would have thought that was out of the box feature but yeah, apparently yeah. not what did they do
2: before where did the logs go in I other words aws firewall manager now supports centralized logging of aws firewall logs <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> which I, I would have thought out of the box i would have gotten AWS Code Build now supports parallel and coordinated executions of a build process. Hey Ryan, the
1: build failed. Mm -hmm. Hey Ryan, the build failed. Hey Ryan, the build failed. Mm -hmm.
3: They've all failed. All my feature branches, because I forgot a semicolon.
2: And parallel, you got told multiple times. Although that was kind of sequential, wasn't it? Hey Ryan, Ryan, the build build failed. 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 Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose now supports data delivery to HTTP endpoints. Woohoo! In other news, Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose now supports data delivery to New Relic and MongoDB and Datadog. Which means that they only supported HTTP endpoints. What? (laughs) 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 Great, Mongo. Winning every day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Amazon LightSail now offers cPanel and WHM Instance Blueprint.
1: You know, when Amazon announced that they were going to create LightSail, and as a simple VPS provider, <laughs> the world said, finally, we don't have to use cPanel. <laughs> Yet, you failed us, Amazon. Shame. Shame on you.
3: So if you join our Slack channel, I would really appreciate it if you could
1: explain what cPanel is to me.
2: Oh! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tried to correlate to a Webmin for you earlier, but you yeah, apparently don't I know got, what that is either. Uh, so. Yeah. So when you're on your next Linux box, you know just install Webmin and then hit, uh, I think it's uh, HTTP localhost 8,000, and you'll find out what Webmin is. I can sort of <laughs> guess by the tone of your voice I'm not going to do that.
2: I think you're really going <laughs> to like cPanel. I think you're really going to like how you point and click in order to create a Linux configuration, which oh, then becomes yeah, obfuscated yeah. into you know, crazy templates. You, you
1: <laughs> couldn't figure out how to type in add user you know, <laughs> so to bad. do a user wizard. it's it's in a, It's in a <laughs> web page with really bad security, and it's all there for you. <laughs>
2: Fantastic!
1: Yeah, uh, so you could actually, you know, you could correlate it to the modern day uh, IBM tool, OpenShift. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanted to, if you wanted to deploy something, you know, like a, uh, a Node.js container, perhaps you would go to CPanel and you'd say, "Start Node.js," and it would install for you and deploy a terrible implementation of Node.js on your server, and then they give you an FTP interface that you could upload your web files for to run in that Node.js because you couldn't figure out SSH. That is cPanel in a nutshell.
3: <laughs> but they already have, like, Elastic Beanstalk.
0: What they this, this all predates all that, sir. This, this, is, oh, yeah. this, this is well before cloud. This is 90, like, mid-'90s. 1996, once it's cPanel back. Webmin is also, like, a late-'90s thing, too.
2: Moving on. Lightning. AWS Database <laughs> Migration Service now supports enhanced pre-migration assessments. The only pre-migration you need is don't migrate your database. Yeah,
3: Can't do that. Don't do this. That's not going to work. How's it going to do that in advance, though? Does, shouldn't it wait until it migrated half your data and then complain? <laughs> yes, it should. That's, that's how
1: migration. all good migrations go. <laughs> what it'll do is it'll tell you it passes, and then you'll actually go try to do it, and then it'll, it'll fail midway through, and then you'll open a support case to Amazon, and they will tell you, well, it's not supported. And okay. then you say, but your migration, and they're like, oh, that's because you didn't download the new version.
2: <laughs> or it will succeed, it but your app still won't work. <laughs> or it will succeed and none of your data there. Yeah. yeah. Amazon Translate now supports Office documents.
1: I hope this means that we're going to get my favorite translator, legalese, to English. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. That awesome. doesn't
3: exist. And if it does, shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: I actually need the opposite. I need, I need English to link legally so I don't have to pay lawyers.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Auto-translate. Although my lawyer pay, takes wine, so it's working yeah, out really well for me. That's true.
2: <laughs> and uh, as per CNN, the winner is Jonathan, except that's fake news because it's really Justin for his <laughs> CNN.
1: Oh. Oh. Nice,
2: nice. <laughs> <laughs> you almost tied me, Jonathan. Almost. <laughs> You, you two were neck and neck and you got me with the legalese because all of a sudden I'm like, legalese? That's not a language. What's legalese. <laughs> like, oh, legalese. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, that's it.
1: We're uh, a very quick week in the news because Google didn't do anything. And, and So, hey, if you guys need help, please reach out. We'll, we, can help, we can send you help in COVID times. We, we have resources. We can help you. Oh, uh, I have a rant for you guys, though, before we run away. Oh, fantastic. Have you guys been to the new Route 53 console? No, oh, no. In the Amazon console? I not say that. Oh, I my guess. God. Yes. <sighs> so I, let me take you on a quick journey here to the Route 53 console. So it used to be, you know, a list of all your domains. you say, oh, sas11.com, cloudpod.com, whatever I want. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to create a new alias record. Click into the zone. I get a list of all of my records. Beautiful. Simple, Seems reasonable. Perfection. Seems reasonable, right? And on the right, I could hit create record. And I would have a drop down. I would say, type of record would you like? An A record, an alias, whatever. And I put in dub, dub, dub. You know, because that's what I want. I want a website. A record or alias to my F5 or to my load balancer. And I submit. And it's done. We're done. That was a total of sp- five clicks. The new console was designed with wizards in mind. Oh, no. Not the good wizards. So like Microsoft you go there Bob. and <laughs> it, it's Microsoft <laughs> Bob level. It is. It's rough. Let me, let me tell you. The little office so you, paperclip. You so my, my first exposure to this was um, I upgraded my Google Suite's Enterprise uh, account, and I, so I decided I wanted to get DKIM enabled on a bunch of my domains that I own, uh, which I have too many of them, but you know, DKIM is a thing, and so I had to go do that. Uh, and so I said, you know Google, give me, give me my record for DKIM, and I go put a text record into my T3 to authorize the DKIM and to start authenticating the email. This should be five seconds of work. So you get you hit the console and you see the list of. Uh, actually, let me, let me actually walk you through this. Let me. <laughs> you know it's good if he's
3: like, no, oh my I'm god, not. this is I'm just gonna, pure pain. I'm going to must it. have been. Yeah. Yeah, you can hear the hurt. Cue the. And sound I picture music. I
2: picture a lot of steps, and I picture it with it, each step being highly graphically intensive, and in between each one, a little a little timer circling, waiting for the next page to load.
0: Do you have to type? Yes, I re- I really want to create a uh, an alias record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> please create the name of the record that you want.
2: Oh, hold on,
1: I'm, M- I'm MFA because yeah. I'm secure here. Hold on. Yeah.
3: No, I was gonna make a joke about how you know you know what doesn't change, which is you know the terraform provider code. But that was after fighting with ter- like provider code issues from the three release all week, so I can't even make that joke. Oh
1: man, <laughs> everything's <laughs> breaking. Yeah. 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 First of all, uh, when you hit Rapidly 3 console, uh, it gives you the new console by default. It's not an opt-in, it's just, you know. So your first page is very similar to what you've always had, you know. DNS management, availability monitoring, traffic management, domain registrations. This isn't terrible. I'm not a, I, like it's a little wonky, it's a little bit too much cluttery, but whatever. It's here. So I go into hosted zones. I get my I get a list of 12 hosted zones. Just in a list. And there's a search here and I, and that's all fine. So I go to my my first domain. Uh, the CloudPod.net here, and I say, you know, I'd like to, I I, get, I go into it and I get this nice home zone, hosted zone details. It tells me the hosted zone ID, tells me the public hosted zone and the name servers for this and how many records I have. And then I have below that a list of all of the records. And there's a search box, which is nice because search was a bit of a challenge in the old console. But I say, I want to create a record. And it takes me to a whole new screen. And it tells me first, choose my routing policy. And I have six boxes to choose from. A simple routing policy, a weighted routing policy, geolocation policy, a latency one, failover, and multi-value answers, and all I want is a text record. <laughs> so first of all, I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's a simple routed one. I mean, it took me it took me more seconds than I care to admit that it took to like work through this this page of words, <laughs> and and they all these Route fifty three logos too. Like it's it's great. So then it goes, you know, you hit next, and it comes to a new screen that says simple record, ra- simple routing records to add to bro- you know to the CloudPod.net. And it says, I can define a simple record. And I click this box. And it brings up another window, another window. And it has record name. Well, I don't want a record name because this is a text value that's going to be at the root. So there's another box below, which says value route traffic to, which is choose endpoint. Because of course, I haven't chosen anything other than an A record. And then below that is a record type A. And I can select on that record text. So the problem is then you go up to the so you go back up to record name and you type in text or leave it blank if you're doing blank and then value route traffic to. Excuse me, I'm doing a text record folks. There is no value to route traffic to. So that's a weird thing. So I had to click this drop down box and in this drop down box it gives me IP address or another value depending on the record type or alias to another record in this hosted zone or a bunch of other grayed out things I can't choose. Which of those is a text record? IP address? No.
2: None of the
1: above. It's not an alias. Oh, so it's a or another value depending on the record type. Seriously? And then that goes back to the original box and makes a really huge text box that I can now type into. And then I can basically uh, define, I hit define simple record instead of just save. And then it gives me, goes back to configure records. Now, this is where the kind of the plus is is that I can create multiple records and I can submit them as one change, which is kind of nice. But man, that was a lot of clicks just to add a simple record. And then I hit create records and it will create it. I'll take you back to the thing. So that's, that's the new FT3 console. And uh, it's defaulted now on for all of my accounts at, at my day job and my personal accounts. And as soon as I hit this window, now, I'm hitting use the old record. And literally, it went from five seconds of work to add a, a, a DKIM record to you know at least 30 seconds of me puzzled through this every time. So I don't know who designed this. I'm sure you're a very lovely human uh, that you've done a lot of work. Uh, but usability studying would have been required, mm-hmm. which I don't think you did. Because I wouldn't have designed it this way.
3: I'm more afraid that they did the usability study, but everyone in there was had no clue how DNS
1: worked or was or yeah, really. Was, and or, or maybe they, or maybe they confused the. You know, they did the usability study, but they were supposed to be usability studying the Lightsail DNS page, not the Route Fifty Three one. Yeah, because that's sort of
2: what it feels <laughs> like for me.
1: Was there a little cPanel um, logo
2: on this page anywhere? No.
1: <laughs> there's there's no cPanel. You know, that might make it better though, because I've used cPanel. I can admit. In my past lives, adding a DNS record was not as complicated as that was. So I would. that's an upgrade.
0: Cuff, cuff. But there you go. Infrastructure as code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so it, just, it just forces me to do like more and more Terraform work when the old console dies away. But like, you know, sometimes you just want to do a quick record. I don't want to go write Terraform code. I don't want to do a Terraform plan right now. And instead, when I go down and sit down to modify this account, when I do my first Terraform plan, I say, I'm going to delete all these records. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, wait. I need to fix that. And then I'll fix it properly. But
2: You can just go uh, a couple tip. little uh, CLI-based. Update bash scripts and just do it with a command line.
1: Yeah, I could do that too. But then that still would be. It, but that's just as much work as just fixing it in the Terraform code. Yeah, <laughs>
3: so. the, the command line's a little clunky too. At least like the last time I tried to use it for like. Because I think there. the
1: command line you have to get the you a skeleton record. You have to download yeah. and then apply the template and then reapply the skeleton yeah. as part of my commit. That's that is a, little wonky. A, little it is a little
3: wonky. A little bash A little bash You just want you, you, reuse it. Like create an A record. Create a text record. This is not that hard.
1: Like yeah. Exactly. Yep. Nope. So, so there you go. That's my that's my rant for the week. I wanted to share with you. That's fine. I bitch about this on Twitter as well because <laughs> it was bad.
0: That's fair. The SQS console has been been uh, annoying me the last couple of weeks because I've been checking regularly on the length on this, the length of these queues. And every single time I visit the page, it shows me the what's new screen instead of the list of queues. It says, I know it's only one click, but it's one click. How many times I've visited the console? Yeah. I just want to see the list of queues. I can't That's I can't, what you yeah. get what you get for using s- it. It's like your punishment.
3: I'm, C. Yeah. I'm seeing that pattern more and more. It's, not, it's very frustrating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Get me started.
1: Well, this old curmudgeon's done for the day. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> good job. I'm going to wrap this up <laughs> after I complained about Rafa 3 console, which uh, was very pleasurable. I feel better about it now that I've do been to you into, Do you? I look forward to you guys complaining to me about it later when you forget about oh, this yeah. and you go stumble onto the new console and you're like, oh my god, this is awful.
3: Oh, I did immediately after your Twitter rant. I was like, I gotta see... Like, because you don't <laughs> get upset, or at least to that level, about like trivial things, and so I went and I'm like, oh no, it's it's really bad. It's, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's <laughs> bad.
1: All right, guys. Well, uh, that's it for this week in the cloud. Uh, have a great week. We'll see you here next week at the Cloud Pod. See you later.
3: Bye bye. Bye everybody.
1: That is The Week in Cloud. We would like to thank our sponsors, Foghorn Consulting and Commvault. Check out our website, the home of the CloudPod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, send feedback, or ask questions at thecloudpod.net, or tweet us with the hashtag pound the